Hi Church and welcome to our SIBKL online service. My name is Pastor Jeffrey and I'm one of the pastors here in SIBKL. We are into our fourth segment of the Jude sermon series and today we will be considering Jude verse 14 to 19. Let us now go straight to the text for today and let's read the passage with me. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible NASB version for a reason which I will tell you later on. Do follow me on your screens. Here we go. It was also about these people that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, Behold, the Lord has come with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers falling after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. May God add His blessings to the reading of His Word. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that even as we consider Jude verse 14 to 19, I pray, Lord, that even as I've entitled uh, this sermon to overcome ungodliness, that truly, Lord, even as we glean lessons from Jude, I pray, Lord, that you help me, uh, Holy Spirit, that you anoint my lips, that I will be able to bring forth your message, Lord. And truly, we believe that this is a message from the throne room of God, that you will use me as your mouthpiece to speak to your people. And we pray, Lord, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word as well. So help me even as I submit myself to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in the earlier verses of Jude, uh, and if you've been following the Jude uh, sermon series, uh, the previous sermons we have considered the carnality and the corruption of the end time church. And the key phrase that was used to describe this category of people are like what you read in verse 4 of Jude, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into indecent behavior and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 19, which we have just read, these are the ones referring to these certain people. They are the ones who cause division. They are worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. 
So the reason why I chose to read from the NASB version is because I wanted to emphasize verse 19 that these people, these ungodly people are called devoid of the Spirit. And that is one of the hallmarks of ungodliness, i.e. one who is devoid of the Spirit. So Jude started off this segment uh, in verse 14 to 19 with an ancient warning. So in verse 14 to 15, Jude quotes from an ancient writing from a book in Israel called the Book of Enoch. In reality, the book bearing the name of Enoch was written by someone else many years later. So the book is actually Jewish literature which was widely circulated as true. Jude uses this ancient prophecy to apply to this particular situation. So what do we know about Enoch and the prophecy? So we read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, so follow me on your screens. In Genesis chapter 5, reading from verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years and then he died. So this is really breaking all Guinness World uh, Records. Yeah, so uh, in, in current history, nobody has lived 969 years and the only living person who lived that long was Methuselah. So Enoch is considered as a prophet for his generation and he was the father of Methuselah, which means when he dies, it will happen. So imagine Methuselah went to school, you know, and people call out to him, when you die, it will happen. You know, when you die, it will happen. So that was the name of Methuselah. When he dies, it will happen. So what will happen when Methuselah dies? When Methuselah dies, the great flood will happen. So his great-grandson Noah found favor with God and he was tasked to build an ark before the coming judgment of the great flood. So we know that Methuselah lived 969 years and was the oldest man who ever lived, signifying the patience and long-suffering of God and that it is his will that none should perish. Man on their own has not changed at all through the ages. In fact, men have grown worse and worse in their actions, their conduct, 
in their speech. We do not know exactly why Jude quotes from Enoch, but we do know that these words fit the occasion that even in ancient times before the flood, when these evil men did not repent, they were judged when the great flood came upon the earth, just as Enoch was taken up to be with the Lord, and this is a picture of the rapture, and he did not die, and Noah and his family were safe in the ark. We believers who are the righteousness of God in Christ, we will be safe from God's coming wrath upon the earth, and we are counted as the many thousands of his holy ones who will return to execute judgment on all the ungodly. So what are these ungodly judged for, and when will that happen? So the godly will be judged for, as we read in verse 15, they will be judged for ungodly deeds, which is their actions, they will be judged for their ungodly way, which is their conduct, and they will be judged because of what they have spoken, and this is their speech. So our belief determine our behavior, and when our belief is corrupted, our deeds, our actions will be corrupted. When our conduct is corrupted, our character and speech will also be corrupted, as our character is a result of our conduct. There is this saving which goes something like this that you can see on your screen. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And the destiny of these ungodly and these certain persons is the future judgment that awaits them. And I pray that none of us will go through this same judgment that the ungodly will face. So when will it happen? It will happen when Jesus comes again in verse 14 with myriads and myriads of the holy saints, as was mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on his glorious throne. And what is this throne, the glorious throne that Jesus will be sitting on? This is the great white throne judgment in verse 15, and it is also described in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 13. Then I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the earth and the heavens fled away from his presence and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, which are the things recorded inside the books. So if you are taking notes, other references, are from Deuteronomy 33 verse 2, Zechariah 14 verse 5, and Isaiah 66 
verse 15 to 16. So, my dear brothers and sisters, and for those who are tuning in, so how do we overcome this ungodliness and ungodly characters that have crept into the church of God? This calls for us believers in Christ to do three things, and I leave with you these three Ds. Number one, we are to discern the ungodly in our midst. Number two, we are to come to the defense of biblical truth. And number three, we are to be discipled by the Word and the Spirit. So let us consider the first D, which is to discern the ungodly in our midst. So in verse 16, we see certain characteristics of ungodly people. So they are the grumblers, the fault finders, the boasters or the arrogant, and the flatterers. Are we able to discern and identify these ones in our midst? Some are obvious, but some may not be that obvious. Perhaps we as the Church of God have tolerated and failed to address these ones in our midst. In the previous week's sermon, you would have heard Pastor John uh, say something like this, that we are to be people of judgment and not be judgmental. So let us pray that we are able to be discerning people, people of judgment and able to judge the truth from the fake. So in the last part of this verse, Jude calls this man grumblers or murmurers. This is a uniquely Jewish insult in Scripture. The Pharisees were said to grumble in the presence of Jesus' teaching. The Israelites were murmurers in the desert wanderings. In both cases, these actions were intended to illustrate their lack of faith in God's Word. As in the case of the Pharisees, this man claimed to be teachers of the Word, yet they themselves grumble against true teachers. So my dear brothers and sisters, do we ever grumble when the sermon preached from SIBKL's pulpit is too hard-hitting and painful to our ears, or do we only want to hear feel-good messages? So this is a challenge to all of us that even as we discern the ungodly in our midst, may we never turn away from the truth. Secondly, they find fault and they are complainers. They are people who complain and complain of their situation or their fate. So if complaining were enough to gain us the fire of hell, who could escape? because all of us have complained before. But the issue here is not complaining in the general sense. Their problem is complaining about not being free enough to follow their own lusts. They find fault in leaders, they find fault in other teachers who challenge their teaching and their behaviour. They are like children complaining about rules they don't like. 
So complaining insults God because it attacks God's sovereignty, His love and His care. You know, brothers and sisters, when we grumble and complain, we essentially are saying, God, you are doing a lousy job taking care of me. So don't ever complain because when you complain, you are actually insulting God. And thirdly, they are men who speak arrogantly and the word in Greek for arrogant literally means excessive weight or size. So they are speaking in excessive ways and they do so to flatter people in the church for the sake of gaining advantage. So there are two kinds of lies we can tell about people, one that slanders and one that flatters. One tries to discredit someone while the other tries to manipulate them and both are equally sinful. The word flattery has its origins from a French word which means to stroke with the flat of a hand. So Thomas Brooks, a Puritan preacher, has this to say about flattery. Whilst a donkey is stroked under the belly, you may lay on its back what burdens you please. So I remember many years ago when I was holidaying with my family in Greece and we uh, went for a donkey ride. So before we mount on the donkey, the owner of the donkey was stroking uh, the, the belly of the donkey so that we can mount the donkey without the donkey throwing us off. So when this flatterers stroke you and they flatter you, it is like stroking under the belly and after that they lay their burdens on you. So flatterers manipulate so that they can lay their trip or burden on you. Now, at this point in his letter, Jude has described this certain man in multiple levels of detail. The church is aware of their presence, their nature, their methods, their motivation, and their fate. The church no longer has any excuse for defending themselves and removing the false teacher's influence. The question is whether will we have the courage to do so. Some will, but others will waver and may not have the spiritual maturity to see things as truly the truth and are taken in by the smooth words of these ungodly men. So now Jude makes his final appeal from verse 17 to come to the defense of biblical truth. And that brings me to my second point, which is we are to come to the defense of biblical truth. And in verse 17, but you beloved ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, 
worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. So here from verse 17 onwards, Jude come out stronger and in great emphasis to his fellow believers. But you, beloved, you SIBians, you ought to remember. Remember what? The words spoken by the apostles. And here Jude is telling us, rather than listen to the grumbling, complaining, and the arrogant speech of the false teachers, Jude asked the church to remember the words of the apostles. And Jude in verse 18 quotes from Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. Follow me on the screen, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue just as they were from the beginning of creation. So even our Lord Jesus warns us about these ungodly false teachers in our midst in Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn uh, bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. So John MacArthur has this to say about these ungodly people. They pompously puff themselves up with an elaborate, sophisticated, religious vocabulary that had an external spiritual tone, but void of truth. I'm one person who is not influenced by flamboyant, charismatic personalities. Because if you are taken up with the outward appearance and the charismatic persons and the flamboyance of the preacher, then that in a way is an alarm bell that are we looking at that person or are we looking at the fruit that this person bears? So we have to come to the defense of biblical truth and I'm so thankful and grateful that our church, SIBKL, we did the Revelation series and soon we are starting the Daniel series which lay the strong biblical foundation concerning Christ's return. But why do these mockers or false teachers mock Christ's return? Primarily because it provides an excuse to follow after their own lust. If it were true that Jesus won't return, then perhaps judgment won't come to the ungodly. And if judgment is in doubt, 
then those who want freedom to sin can do so with impunity. They have no fear they will be called to account for their sin. So Jude uses Peter's statement as evidence that whenever such men arrive, they create divisions by what they say. They drive a wedge into the body of Christ. They are worldly-minded men. They have only a focus on the here and now. They are men who cannot consider heavenly things because as Jude says in the final part of verse 19, they are devoid of the Spirit. So how do we come to the defense of biblical truth and defend against these false teachers? So if you look at this table that you see on screen, the defense against false teachers follows naturally from their methods. If they preach lies, we need to know the truth. If they divide the body, we need to remain united in faith. If they sow discontent, we need to focus on the goodness of God. If they are worldly-minded, we need to keep our minds on eternity and the rewards in heaven. Amen? And that brings us to our last point that we need to be discipled by the Word and the Spirit. And in verse 19, we read that these are the ones who cause divisions. They are worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. Here in verse 19, we see these ungodly ones as those who are devoid of the Spirit. And to contend with them, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we need to be discipled by Him and God's Word. So firstly, each believer has a personal responsibility to keep ourselves spiritually strong. Notice Jude doesn't tell us that our first defense is to attack this man. We aren't commanded to engage with this man. They are ungodly men and therefore they have nothing in common with the believer. It's foolish to assume that we can fight this man in our own power. Only by putting on the full armor of God are we able to withstand the tricks and lies of the evil one. In other words, we must fight in God's power. And that begins with raiding ourselves by His Spirit and His Word. The Word of God is always the answer to dangers in and out of the church. The apostles had warned that these things would happen, and even more so as the day approaches. As we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul urges Timothy to be strengthened in the Word. So let's read 2 Timothy 4. I solemnly exhort you, in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and exhort, with great patience and instruction. For the time will come 
when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So my dear brothers and sisters, to become a serious student of the Word is the first and most important defense to false teaching. Spiritually, it strengthens us to resist the power of the enemy to draw us away from the truth. As said earlier, if false teachers work through lies, we need to know the truth. Uh, I was previously uh, a banker before, and in banks, we don't teach bank tellers to identify counterfeit notes by studying counterfeit notes. They learn to identify the counterfeit notes by studying real money. And so, we must become students of the truth in order to filter out the lies. And if the enemy is the father of lies, then how well do you suppose we must know the truth to be prepared? So, know the truth to identify the fake. So, when false teachers make claims about God wants for us, or when they tell us what God expects us to do for Him, we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit to test those statements. Don't simply listen to every prophet in town, but always test the Spirit and always refer back to the Word of God. As in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, we are to test the Spirit because these ungodly ones are devoid of the Holy Spirit. Let's read 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of of error. So even as you have uh, gone through, I've gone through these three points with you, so how do we overcome ungodliness? Number one, we have to discern the ungodly in our midst. And number two, we are to come to the defense of biblical truth. We are to know the truth 
ourselves, and last but not least, let us be discipled by the Word and the Spirit. So my dear brothers and sisters, for those who are tuning in, you may be from a nudged church, even as we bring this to a close and the worship team sings the song, God is on the throne. My urgent plea to all of us is to make a stand. Make a stand against ungodliness and live a life that pleases God by obeying Him and be led by His Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus have these words to say, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So for us Christians, how we live our Christian life is the most reliable indicator of what we actually believe in. So are you believing a lie or are you believing the truth? So may God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all His holy ones to execute judgment upon all of us. And may we be found faithful in His presence. Amen. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that even as we have considered June verse 14 to 19, help us, O Lord, as a church to discern the ungodly in our midst, O Lord. And in order to do that, O Lord, we need to know the truth, that even as we build ourselves in the truth, help us, O Lord, when we meet or when we come across ungodly ones in our midst, that we will come to the defense of biblical truth, that no heresy and no untruthful teachings will ever be taught from our pulpit, O Lord. And I pray, O Lord, that you help us to be discipled by the Word of God and by your Holy Spirit so that we can come against those, O Lord, who are devoid of the Spirit. So help us, strengthen us, and help us, O Lord, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And may we be found blameless and may we be found faithful, Lord, even in your presence. We commit ourselves to you. And right now, even as we join the worship team in singing this song, God is on the throne. May I bless you right now. May the God, may the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards you and grant all of us His shalom peace. And may next week be a wonderful week for all of us. God bless you. Come, let us join the worship team in singing this song, God is on the throne. See you and God bless. <laughs>